Good evening and welcome to Tales in Our Time. I'm Janet. Good morning and good afternoon, in case you're anywhere else. I'm George. I am, um... Happy to be here? No. <laughs> oh. I'm overjoyed. Can you imagine if I just pulled up to one of our recordings? Like, ugh, this sucks. I'm so pissed off. I'm really not Can't happy. Can't believe I had to sit here and talk Goodbye. to you about one of my favorite things. I'm out of <laughs> here, man. Your face is hurting my face just now. I'm turning you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing very well. I'm feeling fantastic, Mom. How are you? Eh, not bad. I, You know, like I, I said to you, I, I did do a couple of... Uh, walk run type things over the weekend and i'm feeling pretty pumped just by the canal beautiful weather so you know life is good sometimes you just can't complain isn't it such a scam how fresh air and exercise and good eating make you feel better it's a real bother to me personally yes bother 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 bother, bother. um <laughs> Mum, do we want to do a little reading check-in? We got sure. a little bit of a weird episode today, but we can, you know, get to that later. The audience knows by now how much we love to keep our hand hidden as if they don't read the... The title. The <laughs> I always forget about the fact that you put notes in and that there is a title on these things. That's no. right. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit weird. So, um, in the... Uh, you know, in the what's in the vein, spirit of in the normalcy. spirit, in the spirit of weirdness and maybe breaking out of our regular routine. Um, instead of just talking about one book that I hope to start reading shortly, I'm going to talk about two. No, I'm going to call the police. Just well, kidding. so um, George and I in the past we have done shout outs for Harriet's Bookstore in. Fishtown in Philadelphia, where we visited together. And when when we went there, it's a while back now, I bought a bunch of books, obviously. And um, one of them was by an English author called Iris Murdoch. You might have heard of her. She was very prolific. She wrote a lot. She wrote a lot in her lifetime. In between, like, 1954 and 1978, um, she, she wrote a lot of novels. And I knew her name. I knew her from the Irish Iris movie that sort of um, did like a, a biography telling of her life, I suppose. And like a biopic, had, like biopic. a bio biopic or biopic. I think like, it's, it's one of those things where <laughs> you say it one way. If you and say biopic, like... I think that's like a telescope or a kind of lens. <laughs> <laughs> a biopic is definitely a, a pic, a film about somebody's life, right? Well, that's what it was. It's called Iris. If you haven't seen it, I want to check it out. It's a bit sad. She does um, get dementia before she passes away. But, you know, prior to that, she'd been this. She was a she worked at the Treasury in the UK, in London. She worked Belgium, Austria. She became a fellow at uh, Oxford University. And she was made an honorary member of the American Academy of Arts and Letters in 1975. So she was very Mm -hmm. accomplished, aside from being this, you know, author who'd written. So anyway, sorry, that was all an aside. 
if you didn't know anything about Iris Murdoch. So I picked up this book because I knew the name and I'd never read anything of hers. And because mm. we, you know, we've been on this this journey, podcasting mm. journey, I figured, you know, you should try and pick up the things that you're sort of aware of that are on the periphery of your experience, but you don't necessarily have really under your belt. So my Iris Murdoch was called mm. The Flight from the Enchanter, a story of well. love and... Yeah, the flight from the Sorry. enchanter. It's a story of what? I didn't mean to cut you off there, but what a title! A story of love and power. <laughs> and the the sleeve notes are: um, a group of people have elected ambiguous and fascinating Misha Fox to be their god, while Misha is charming his devotees. His alter ego, Calvin Blick, is inspiring fear. And Rosa Keep, a high-minded blue stocking under Misha's spell, who also loves two Polish brothers, interesting, is swept into the battle between sturdy common sense and dangerous enchantment. Elegant, sparkling and unputdownable. This is Iris Murdoch at her best. Now, because I have yet to start reading this, I thought I'd read the first sentence and just see how much it grabs, you know, me or George or anybody. Mm -hmm. Chapter one, it was about three o'clock on a Friday afternoon when Annette decided to leave school. You know what? That appeals to that's, me immediately. That's a good that's a good first line. Also, it's a great like um, description in the sleeve notes that uh, first of all, the use of blue stocking for an intellectual woman. Uh, I haven't heard that uh, ever. Um, had to look that up while you were describing it, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, as descriptions go, how, I mean, just and detail the fact packed. That she, she loves two Polish brothers. <laughs> well, I've I, been there before, so that wasn't too surprising who hasn't, for me. Right? Yeah, you know, that was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's a it's a fiction from the fifties. Yeah, I get it. They were they were writing about that a lot when it first yeah, started yeah. happening. So that was first <laughs> first published in nineteen fifty six. So that's going to be. Um, my new read. Um, but because I'm just talking about two books, just to you know mix things up a bit, my second one was um, a book by Val McDermott called Out of Bounds. It was published in 2016. Uh, Val McDermott is another very pro prolific author from the UK. Not that I'm, you know, just focused, but I've been all over geographically. Since Not that we have been, a bias or anything. No, but so I'm sort of going back to my roots, I guess you could say. But she wrote a series called Wiring the Blood, which got made into a TV series about a um, psychological profiler, I think, called Tony Hill. So you might know her mm. work from that. Um, this uh, is another thriller and is based around a cold case detective called Karen Peary, which I think one of these was actually made into a TV series. I'm not sure. But anyway, so the little note from the New York Times book review says, tightly plotted, McDermott applies her formidable intelligence and muscular style to the kind of urban <gasps> crime novel that gives Scotland its tough rep and vigorous lingo. Superior series. So, um... Like I say, uh, Detective Karen Peary is obviously um, a one of her sort of series characters. And um, 
I'm just going to do the same thing just because I don't want to go on about this and not listen to what George is reading. But the first, the first sentence of this book goes, Some night, eh, boys? Ross Garvey flung a sweaty arm around the neck of Wee Granty, his best mate in all the world. Well, that's done it for me, really. Friendship. It's pretty good. Also My love best... a sweaty arm. Oh, who doesn't love a sweaty arm around your good, best yeah. mate in the whole world? Just boy things. Yeah. So no, no homoerotic overtones whatsoever. Yeah. So that was, what's the name of that one? That one's called Out of Bounds by Val McDermott. It's from the Karen Peary or Detective Karen Peary series. It was published in 2016. It's another one I've had for a while. And um, I think um, I'm going to read one then the other. The Iris Murdoch one is, is quite thin. So um, maybe I'll try and uh, consume that over a short period of time. So. And that was The Flight from the Enchanter. The Flight right? from the, the Iris Enchanter Murdoch. with the Polish nice. brothers. With the two Polish brothers uh-huh. and the blue stocking. And the blue stocking. Well, dang, dude. Come on, George, top it. What do you got? Oh, for my reading check-in? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so this is... I'm, I'm really excited about my reading check-in for today. I have two books as well. We are doing nonsense in the studio right now. We're doing absolute horrors to our usual run of show. But um, I recently got the chance to visit a bookstore in Philadelphia um, called Giovanni's Room. Uh, You may notice named after the James Baldwin novel of the uh, same title, Giovanni's Room. Um, It is a gay and feminist uh, bookshop that has been open since... Gosh, when did they open? They were founded in 1973. Um, They're sort of known as like the center of gay Philly. Uh, Not a gay Philly. Gay Philly? Makes me think of a horse, sorry. (laughs) You know, because it's like a young female horse. She's gaily horse trotting. Oh, Philly, I see. (laughs) I didn't know that was a word for horse. Yes. And also is used has been used in certain circles as a sort of dismissive term for woman, you know. Ah, it all Not, comes back to sexism. Yeah, of course. Every that just every single word gets every. taken. Go on. Anyway, so Giovanni's room, <laughs> the bookstore, uh in 2014 the owner retired and They were worried for a while that it was going to have to go under, which would have been like a catastrophic loss of queer history. And Philly AIDS Thrift took over the store. So it is now technically known as Pat at Giovanni's Room or Philly Philly AIDS Thrift at Giovanni's Room. Um, They're a lovely staff over there. They have a fantastic selection and a very beautiful store i would highly recommend going if you ever get a chance if you stop by philly i know we have endless bookstore recommendations but as part of what we do um i was blessed during my visit to find two books that we had talked about in previous episodes which i'm so excited about one of which being giovanni's room by james baldwin no surprise there that they had a copy i found a copy 
I found a collection of his that was like much more expensive because there were many stories in it. I was like, do you guys have a copy of Giovanni's room? And the clerk kind of looked at me like I was a little stupid. He's like, yeah, we always, there's always one on display. So I was, I was very lucky. I'm very excited for that. I will follow suit um, and I will give you the sleeve notes in the first line. Um, set in the 1950s Paris of American expatriates, liaisons, and violence, a young man finds himself caught between desire and conventional morality. With a sharp, probing imagination, James Baldwin's now-classic narrative delves into the mystery of loving and creates a moving, highly controversial story of death and passion that reveals the unspoken complexities of the human heart. That is the kind of book I like to read. Well, so um, in the first part of that, it said he was caught between... one. What were the two things he was caught between? Desire and conventional morality. Desiring conventional morality, I mean, like, I think those those two things sort of come to mean something different when we're older, but as young people, they almost drive you completely because you're like, mm. you're definitely driven by desire all of the bloody time, but they're, you know, for most of us, and for some people maybe the voice is louder, some people it's quieter, but there is something that's saying, oh, you shouldn't do that, or, oh, maybe you could get away with that, or... You know, so there there is kind of like the devil and angel thing going on in most people's I heads. I see, yeah, yeah. The voices of reason. Yeah, or morality. So that really struck me struck me in that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a good setup. So uh, what's the first line then? All right, I'm ready. I just, this is, a, this is an incredible first line. I stand at the window of this great house in the south of France as night falls, the night which is leading me to the most terrible morning of my life. Oh my sweet <laughs> Jesus. He's I mean, incredible. James, I mean, I, I really like James Baldwin's essays. I haven't read a fiction of his yet, but man, man, oh man. So, okay, the beginning of that sentence, I was like, Oh, the night in France. And, oh, that sounds so... Beauty. Beauty yeah. and loveliness. And then it was like leading him into the worst morning ever. You know, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that was like up and down, like in one sense. That's amazing. That's some yeah. skill. Seriously. Fantastic juxtaposition. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but we mentioned this during our... Uh, LGBTQ plus lit uh, episode. Um, James Baldwin, a renowned queer author, also a renowned black author, uh, just famous for being a genius. Um, if you have not read any of his, I would highly recommend it. Um, and then the other book that I picked up that was also part of one of our episodes was Carmilla by Sheridan Le Fanu. Mm -hmm. This is the um, vampiris novel that inspired Dracula. Um, we talked about this during our horror episode. And it must Very be true because it says it on the cover, right? It does <laughs> say it on the cover that this is the cult classic that inspired Dracula. It was sort of funny. Like I was talking to a friend of mine about this a few days ago. You got about a friend? How the... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going off my own experience. I'm wow. jealous. Go on. 
No, no, no. Don't don't try and turn this into a self-deprecating thing. You were talking shit about me. I know. <laughs> I know you've got so tons rude. of friends, George. I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I But I was talking to one of my friends, uh, one of my imaginary friends, who <laughs> about uh, horror books and sort of just like the innate queerness of um, horror and sort of the ways in which they overlap and I was talking about Carmilla and the way and like how how surprised I was to not know until we did the research for it. And then I walk into this bookshop and there it says just under the cover, like, oh, this is did you know this is the one that inspired yeah. Dracula? Oh, oh, I knew sorry. that. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh. <laughs> so who was that written by? Sheridan Le Fanu. OK, so who's Sheridan Le Fanu? Apart from having a pretty cool name. Uh, Sheridan Le Fanu was an Irish writer of gothic tales, mystery novels, and ghost stories, most famous for his novel Uncle Silas. Carmilla was first published in 1872 and has served as an inspiration for countless books from the the ones we talked about. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm very excited for this one. Okay, do you want to... Did you... You didn't read the sleeve notes yet, did you? I did not read the sleeve notes yet, no. Give us what you got. In an isolated castle deep in the Austrian forest, Laura leads a solitary life with only her ailing father for company. Until one moonlit night, a horse-drawn carriage crashes into view, carrying an unexpected guest, the beautiful Carmilla. So begins a feverish read gay. Friendship between Laura and her mysterious, entrancing companion. But as Carmilla becomes increasingly strange and volatile, prone to eerie nocturnal wanderings, Laura finds herself tormented by nightmares and growing weaker by the day. Sounds very much like Dracula. Well, you know, in it. But also, so I went main main note, you know, Car- Carmilla arrives at their castle. John Harker is brought to Transylvania. Yeah, alright. I mean Listen, I'm not I'm not here for this Bram Stoker slander. No No slander of the Stoker. Of the Stoker. Don't slander the Stoker. <laughs> I wish that I could put I'm a some Stoker. Hide. I'm a Joker. <laughs> I'm a midnight Toker. <laughs> I see the vampires in the dark. Please don't sue us. Um, I, I'm probably so bad at singing that that wasn't even technically theft. No, um, I don't think it was. Your, your wow. notes were probably up and down a little bit. You know. Definitely, definitely. Definitely right. legally different. Um, Give but us yeah, the first line. I'm very excited about this one. I'm very interested to hear about it. I I do love, you can tell even just like I, the coded talking about coding the use of the word feverish like a feverish friendship even a friendship that causes you trouble to describe it as feverish it's sexy makes it's sexual yeah it is it sounds like so sex. yeah yeah so i just love that i love that we can't ever it's like and these two women whose bodies were found entombed in a single casket side by side Assumed to be great friends, the best of friends. They were 
sweet besties. They made each other bracelets. It's like, listen, they kissed. It's okay. Okay, well, (laughs) I want to share something with you after you finish sharing that book about this actual topic. I'm going to make a note and then we're going to talk about it. So go on, finish your um, share. Okay, this is the, the first line here is from the prologue. Upon a paper attached to the narrative which follows, Dr. Heselius has written a rather elaborate note, which he accompanies with a reference to his essay on the strange subject which the manuscript illuminates. Yeah, okay. So that isn't A little as, different. Yeah, it's not as sort of like graphically inspiring as the other first sentences we heard, but it puts me on the edge of a cliff because I'm like, okay, well, what? what? What is the note? What is the thing that he's talking about? So it's quite a hook. Who's, because... the, pa- who's, the, who's the subject of the manuscript? Mm-hmm. Also, if he's a doctor, is it a medical record? Um, yeah. I mean, is he a, a medical doctor? Yeah, he might just have a doctor in English. <laughs> he might. I mean, you know, I know doctors who are doctors, but they couldn't mend you. They couldn't fix what ails you. Yeah. Well, so anyway, so that's Carmilla. That is my second. Those are my two books that I'm working on after finishing up The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which I greatly enjoyed. Highly recommend. Um, So I think that's it for the reading check-in. God, that took a while, didn't it? Ah, who knew? Can I just say this one thing? Um, Oh, go on then. About you saying about, um, you know, like, oh, you know, these two feverish friends or whatever. We don't want to say <laughs> that they were too, you know, raging feverish uh, lesbians or anything, or they were snogging or making out behind the bike sheds or anything. Um, but so recently, because we've we've talked about audiobooks, I listen to audiobooks as a way of going to sleep, and there's a series... Mm-hmm by an English author called Joy Ellis, and she writes about a uh, murder detective uh, called Nikki Galena. I could never pronounce her name. G, let's call her Nikki G. Um, and she's a policewoman. And it's Sounds all these, like a DJ. I know, and she's definitely not that, but all these crimes and murders, death, murder, that happen in an area of the UK, murder, which is... Murder, murder, murder. Yeah. The sort if you look at a map of England above London, there's like a little lump that goes out to the east, and that contains like uh, Lincolnshire and Suffolk and other counties that I won't name, um, East Anglia. But anyway, so there's an area in that little lump of England that's sticking out on the east side called the Fens, and it's like um, a lot of marshland. So it, it's it's very specifically categorised by the environment but the last one i listened to so this is completely you know that that part of it is not really that relevant but the story Am i, I just hearing read... a lead up to fen noir <laughs> maybe oh that might be a thing actually but um no it's not rough enough but um the story that we just finished listening to was about this secret club that had been set up in this small town and um it was women sort of um, who were in, you know, professional women who were in positions of authority, and uh, many of them were lesbians. It wasn't a criteria to join the club, but it would just have happened anyway. And so, this 
detectives doing this inquiry about, you know, oh, the people in this club, did they do this? What? And she's talking to one of the members of the club who happens to be a lesbian and says, well, what do you know about this person? And she says, well, I did have a brief relationship with that person, but, you know, nibbling of the ears and whispering sweet nothings didn't do it for her. She liked things a little rougher. To be honest, <laughs> this is the thing that got me. For most of us, it's just a cuddle and a cocoa at bedtime. <laughs> and that was sort of like a little encompassing ideal of like lesbian relationships on the fence. Um, I just thought it was funny when I um, listened to it in this audio book. Um, hmm. Yes, more, more heterosexuals idealising the gay relationship. You know, it's either, and it's like we've talked about before in lots of genres, it's you're either one thing or another. You're like, you know, into S&M and using, you know, gimp masks and high-leg boots or whatever, or... You're just snuggling up in front of an episode of Midsummer, you know. Yeah. Those are the two choices as far as, you know, gay relationships go. <laughs> Listen, there are eye holes in gimp masks. You can still watch Midsummer. Um, <laughs> That's okay. funny, George. We've, All right. We've I just wanted to share off, that. So yeah, yeah. let's thank you for sharing that hilariously. Uh, <laughs> funny reference from Joy Ellis, if you're interested. Yeah, I'm going to talk to her about... <laughs> well, we'll see. Anyway, I don't know anything about her. She might be gay. I might be totally talking out my ass. Anyway, so that is the reading check-in. Do we have any news? We do have some news. So a couple me. of things that I wanted to share. Um, so Charlie Watts, who was the drummer of the Rolling Stones, he died in August 2021, I think, about two years ago. And so I found out, or it was in the news, obviously. I didn't just go you know, talking to his people and say, hey, what do you know? You weren't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't an active participant. But unbeknownst to me and probably many other people in the world who thought he was, you know, famous for being a drummer in the Rolling Stones, um, he was an avid collector of modern literature. And so, you know, that's really interesting. He had things like, you know, uh, signed first editions of like, the Great Gatsby. He had signed Ooh. first editions of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's The Hand of the Baskervilles. I think those are the only two that I listed when I was just looking at the news item. Uh, they probably kept it all, some of it secret anyway. Yeah, but also he had a copy of Evelyn Waugh's Brideshead Revisited, another big gay novel, um, which <laughs> was sent by the author, the copy that Charlie Watts had was one that um, Evelyn War had sent to friends to get comments on in 1944. So it was a pretty, like, highbrow collection. You cannot not be impressed by this unless, well, I'm impressed. All right, let's leave it at that. Anyway, so the collection (laughs) was, um, they they did, like, a, a preview of it in, there was a preview, I think, in New York, um, Paris and London, I th- I think, don't hold me to that one, but I know it was previewed in several different cities around the world before they actually went to auction uh, at Christie's in London. And the just the first edition signed version of The Great Gatsby by Escott Fitzgerald sold for £226,800, 
And for those of you who don't work in uh, pounds, shillings and pence. Um, I, the metric system. Well, or foreign money. Um, That's the metric. I think it amounts to about uh, $350,000. I mean, if you're that interested, you could do a proper calculation and find out the value of the pound to the dollar. But it's a shit ton of money <laughs> for one book. By that comparison, what I spend when I find myself in Giovanni's room on accident is basically nothing. I don't if I just I don't want to hear it from I've been hearing from people, my accountant mainly about how I should stop spending money on books. But you've these got rich motherfuckers. No, I couldn't afford him. I spent all the money on books. <laughs> you fired him. Uh, he fired me, sort of. So, yeah. So, Charlie Watts, famous drummer, Rolling Stones, passed away. Very sad, a couple of years ago. But who knew? He had this great collection of uh, modern literature. And just one of the books sold for that much. Over $300,000. That's just mad in my mind. Just want to share I wonder that. if any of it, I, I'd be interested, you know, I'm sure we'll see more as whatever financial details that need to be cleared up are cleared up. But uh, I'd be interested to see if any of that goes into donation. You know, I know a lot of people at a certain point with classic works of art will just like send it to a state library or, you know, the Library of Congress, something like that. It does seem like if it's in the auction system already, it's probably not easy to get it out of there i mean i didn't see it didn't say who bought it when i was looking into it um and i know that uh charlie watts uh widow i think in owns his entire uh estate so whether or not she does something charitable with it who knows but um you know well, fingers crossed interesting it's interesting yeah you know yeah all right wh what else you got for me well, you know, I've always got some of the... But this one you might like, actually. So, um, in comic book news, or comic strip <gasps> news, really, this one... Um, oh. You know the Archie comic strip? I think it was originally a newspaper strip, and then they made it into those little booklets. Um, oh, yeah, I famously stole one of those. Yes, I think we've... Have we heard that story? Yeah, I think we have. Literally last episode. Okay, so <laughs> or the maybe comic, two. This caught my attention for several reasons firstly because it is you know it's storytelling in its own right um it's being turned into a netflix production based in the 1960s which i'm not sure if that's when the comic was first written but i'm not sure maybe um but so here's the thing being based in the 1960s and it's being based in india which is oh. kind of interesting um and because the comic became very popular in India in the 18, 1980s and 1990s. It was available from as early as the 1970s, but um, when it was first There's circulated... sort of that popularity then, boom. Yeah, it did. There was a boom, and it gave uh, young Indian kids, people, a taste of Americana alongside, mm. you know, other cultural influences like MTV, the Backstreet Boys... Dare I say, it, even the Spice Girls. <laughs> this was, you know, in, <laughs> in the piece that I read. I'm not sure if I would have included the Spice Girls, but hey, spice up your you. life. Do you know what I mean? You need to spice up your life, dog. <laughs> Realize where the classics lie. 
<laughs> anyway, so um, the movie has already had a little bit of criticism. It says it's too white. But the other thing that has been said about it attempts to diversify it. So they are trying to kind of make it more inclusive. Um, mm. Are believed to only benefit the comic and its circulation. Now, I don't know whether or not that's a valid um, argument, personally. I think if you're setting it in India, and I don't know all the details, I only saw kind of like a, you know, a short uh, headline on this, but it's interesting. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And you know what? Um, if Archie is popular in India, then why not make the film there? Because I'm, you know. Yeah, well, I'd be, I'd, you know, fingers crossed that the criticisms are taken seriously because I know, you know, in films in general, whitewashing is still a problem. Um, and and that's the only thing you have to do to make it an actual, like, well-received project. You know what I mean? You are. If you're saying, oh, we're we're catering to this audience who really loves the product and really has like a connection to it, even if you're taking a capitalist mindset to it, all you have to do is not promote your white supremacist images onto the film. So hopefully pretty easy fix, you know, fingers crossed. And and I did, (laughs) I, um, I did see a picture for it and it did look like they were using, uh, young Asian actors. And so, you know, hope for, I hope it's going to be a positive thing because I, th- I think it could be really cool or it could be shit. So let's hope they go the first yeah. one. Always fingers crossed. If you have the opportunity, just do it. Just do a cool, just do some cool stuff. Do you want to just say a quick word about the thing that we always mention just for a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. Of so we're here, we're here now to, re- to reveal the purpose of this episode that you have not gleaned by. Wait, what? What's the thing we always mention in the news? Oh, sorry. My bad. I didn't I didn't realize that's what you were talking about. Oh, we just want to give another shout out to Oh, cuz we didn't write it down. That's why I forgot. Sorry. Uh so we're just shouting out SAG AFTRA. Um we know that although the WGA strike is now officially marked as over, we're still striking in solidarity with SAG AFTRA waiting for their uh contract renegotiation to uh come through on the side of the union hopefully the produce uh it seems like someone uh made this argument on the internet about how once california passed unemployment for any any of the striking writers the producers were like well shit well i guess we can't starve them out because they're all getting money to do this um so and fingers crossed the same as comes through for SAG-AFTRA and we we get a speedy and fair resolution. We are on the precipice of such a huge, amazing uh, labor revolution. And I think it's going very positively. Just a little bit more on that union front. We definitely started with the Writers Guild because this is a literary program. Um, But on top of SAG-AFTRA, we also have uh, the United Auto Workers are striking in mass right now, the big three. Uh, I don't know what the big three actually are. I know that they're the big the big three companies, but I don't remember which ones. Um, but anyway, I do think that's beautiful. You know, we should we should be disrupting the car market in general, but also we should you should be striking your unions. 
will support you, and so will we by talking about you on the show. We love you. <laughs> Solidarity forever. You know, yeah. we'll come out. We'll come out to uh, uh, picket line near us. <laughs> coming soon. Once I find coming soon to a picket line. If the line president can do it, <laughs> a, uh, an annoying podcaster <laughs> with too good of a microphone. Anyway, we do um, have good so microphones. We're out here. <laughs> Uh, except for when I forget to turn them on. Sorry about the LGBT episode, everyone. I really beefed that one. Anyway. So now do we want to go on? Now with what you were originally going to say. Yeah, so time to do the big reveal. The proper, the subject reveal that you never saw coming. It's actually not a subject at all. We're not talking about anything. We're going to do a little reflection episode. We are coming around on our second season. We decided to do 20 episodes a season. It felt appropriate. It felt like a good round number. Like round um, numbers. And, and yeah, you love round numbers. And we wanted to find just some time to look back and kind of... Uh, talk about some of our favorite bits so far because we've been having so much fun and we appreciate everyone <laughs> who has been like listening and chiming in. It's it's just a laugh, you know what I mean? But it, it, it has improved our lives already, so we just want to talk about it. Do, do you want me to talk about the other thing first? Well, so, yeah, so it is a bit of a sort of smorgasbord of an episode. It's mixed up. Lots of different things. Yeah. We we did our usual reading check and we did a bit of the news. Um we did have a genre we're gonna talk about today, which George is gonna mention in a minute, um, but it's only gonna be a little mention because it was when he started to research. We can it. say it. We can say it. I I it was gonna be pulp fiction. But it's huge though. Because it touched lots of things. Well it wasn't it, yeah, it isn't even that it's huge, it's that it isn't really a genre. It like the phrase Pulp Fiction was definitely uh, exploded by the film, but pulp magazines were just fiction magazines. And there's nothing just about that. You know, they, they became available to low-income working-class people, and they made stories really accessible, but it was so quick. It was like a flash in the pan because of economic reasons. Um, and what, what period of time are we talking about here? Okay, so just real quick, because this is the reason we did decided not to do an episode on it, is that we can truncate the timeline very shortly. So from 1896 to the late 1950s, um, the term pulp for pulp magazines uh, refers to the wood pulp paper on which the magazines were printed. Um, very cheap at that time as compared to the glossies or slicks, which were the names for the magazines. They are sort of the successors to the Penny Dreadfuls. Uh, so you start in 1896 with Frank Muncy's Argosy magazine. Uh, in six years, they go from a few thousand copies per month to over half a million because you combine cheap printing, cheap paper, and cheap authors. Uh, but then, unfortunately, we go into a peak of popularity in the 1920s and 40s, and then somehow survive the Great Depression, because pulps were very affordable, you know? They were like, they, pulps were sort of the escapism, um, and Opium become the one people. of the primary... yeah becomes they become one of the primary forms of entertainment with film and radio uh but then after world war ii 
uh, paper shortages has such a huge impact on pulp production that it they quickly begin to decline and then combination of comic books the production of paperback novels and the invention of television sounds the death knell like literally it is up and down they exist and then they don't so to say pulp fiction is sort of a not a misnomer but it it isn't a, it wasn't a genre in the way that we were hoping to explore like we usually do yeah so that's that <laughs> so instead we're doing this so we're doing like you know a bit of this and a little bit of that um so that's pulp fiction in a nutshell um i did want to add an addendum to the last or the kitchen sink episode that we did um oh yeah because we i know we did a lot of the history we did a lot of the roots from the ashcan um movement in the u.s and then like 50 years later the kitchen sink movement in the uk um i spoke to a literary professor this week who told me that the ashcan movement actually came from the naturalist movement and seeing things in like real life so thanks for that sean and that's awesome so casual yeah so casual also um i didn't talk about how that translated into like the present and and maybe even the future and i did want to say you know uh, i think that youth because I, i i think a lot of it is about sort of youth rebellion and dissatisfaction and disillusionment um in like teens and young adults um and that i think that that raises its head with every generation it doesn't always look the same but they you know they might be pushing back against different things it might not be about the fact they've got a crap job or they've got no money or they're still living at home or actually maybe it is those things still <laughs> maybe maybe it's just <laughs> maybe it's Listen. just cyclical all the bloody time you know we could, each generation complains about the same things but regardless in the present i think um that young people or just people generally um on the lower uh socioeconomic scale do find ways to express themselves i think about um there's an english um movie director called ken loach who has made a lot of films that are very gritty and and very kind of like in your face. And I think I read somewhere that he was actually influenced by that kitchen sink movement. And he has actually just brought out a new film, um, which it was looking at, I think, Syrian refugees who were ended up living in the northeast of England, which was um, sort of flat previously um active mining communities so you know the mines Mm. are all gone people were unemployed and then all of a sudden there was all these immigrants brought into the community which you can imagine the kind of conflicts that that created and so he's he's made this film that um sort of explores that issue and um so that that's still happening um it's yeah it's it sounds like a real expansion of the kind of you were talking about the realism of it all, like yeah, the, just absolutely. the recognition of what is actually happening in the in your surroundings. Yeah. So. um So, yeah, I, I do. I just wanted to sort of say, you know, that I think that there is still um the same kind of genre being produced today. But, you know, it's just it looks different because obviously we're in a different time period. You know, it's 
maybe in glorious technicolor rather than black and white. Because even when I read those books as a teenager, <laughs> I think I always saw them in black and white. I don't know. That's a bit mad. Anyway. Glorious technicolor. And in the future, I hope people continue to write books that complain about, you know, the way they're being forced to live and, and trying to yeah. highlight issues in our world, you know, so that we can appreciate somebody else's situation. I mean, we've talked about that, things that touch you and, and show you a different picture or show you something through a different lens. And I think that's what they're good for. And I hope they continue to do that in the future. OK, that's the end. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing that. I agree. I think, you know, you do you want any kind of counterculture that ex examines the negative experiences of living in the primary culture are the first thing I'm going to gravitate towards. Yeah. You have, you know, you have to remind yourself you don't have to live like this, you know? Yeah. Great shout Mum. Yeah, I just what I felt because afterwards we we'd gone through so much history, and then I thought about it afterwards, and I was like wandering around in my world, my little world, and these thoughts were just in my head, and I was like, oh, I should have said, oh, I meant to mention, oh my goodness, why don't we just ah? Oh. So I because we've got this, uh, you know, like little compendium of thoughts episode today nebulous yeah yeah if you will then um i want to share that you're welcome yeah. thanks <laughs> speaking of so let's talk about let's do some reflecting mate let's talk a little bit about um our thoughts and feelings oh, uh, i feelings. i know as We're english people we really feelings. that's the worst um really would rather just bottle it all up and then one day die um but no i want to talk about some of the reflections of the experience of doing this show you know we it's been it's it's been a change for us you know we make we make loads of jokes about it but we're not we're just doing it we're just doing it um we love books we love chatting we love talking shite <laughs> um but it has changed so many things for us and, and we are insanely grateful and we just wanted to kind of talk about some of those things. Um, Mom, let me put you on the spot. Uh, oh, no. what, do, will you, will you tell me about something new and, and notable that you've uh, noticed since we started the pod? Okay. Well, before I do that, let me just say this one thing. No. Oh, God, you can never stick to his schedule. Well, no, you, you said... You type it all up, and then you say, oh, <laughs> fuck it, I'm not reading that. Well, no, you said, um, you know, that we were just... We, we aren't, like, sound people. We're not recording people. We just kind of did this, and I just wanted to bring up... Um, somebody had commented about this being excellent homebrew. Is that what it was? Somebody had made a comment. Um... I don't think so. I don't remember. Yes, uh, you. T oh, that. Yeah, that's that was. Sorry, that was for the Heroes Compendium. That was. <laughs> that was for oh D &D, not for the podcast. <laughs> that's too Mike. Funny. If you want to cut this part out, you can cut that part out, Mike. That'll be really funny. Cut that part out real quick, Mike. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's just forget that because <laughs> nah, I'm good. a bit embarrassed. Okay, I'm going pink. You no, nah, you're okay. Um. All right. Um, Yes, my my gifts, my my things that I've, you know, been so excited about. Um, I think first and foremost, yeah, it has been something different for us, 
but it has given us the opportunity like at least once a week sometimes even twice a week um for you and me just to sit down and talk you know yeah about books and which is something we both both love and through creating that time and and recording it we got to do things like go to the national uh reading festival in washington dc which was so much fun and i i really enjoyed the fact that we got to see a couple of authors whose books we had either read before or read after. And it just kind of really, for me, it was like a whole um, experience because I got, you know, I got to listen to them speaking. I got to see them in person, not in a weird way, like a stalker. We were sat in the audience, obviously, but um, but it, it was it was a gift. And then reading um, their most recent books and everything was also, it was just like a reinforcement. So, that was just mint, is what I can say. <laughs> so that that's definitely um, something that I've lo- I loved, and yeah, we are, I know agreed. You, you and I have already talked about the possibility of going to more book festivals and other places. So I'm excited going forward. Um, something that I you know is going to be a big takeaway, whether I like it or not, because yeah. The bloody ancient Greeks, didn't they? St- uh, you know, I knew, <laughs> I knew the ancient Greeks were like, you know, clever and, you know, had great technology and plumbing and all sorts of shit that nobody else had in the world at the time. But it was like every time we researched a genre, it was like, oh. Started with the Greeks. Started with the Greeks, you know, romance, the Greeks, myths, the Greeks, you know, the hero's tale, the Greeks, everything. Um so that was kind of funny, but also it, it stuck with me. And I, this has got nothing to do with it either. I'm going off on one, but um, I did just watch my big fat Greek wedding t- two because um, I, I hadn't seen <laughs> it. Had to be the sequel. And um, the dad in that, who is Greek, every time anybody in the film says anything, is like he meets somebody who's Italian, and he said, "Ah, the Greeks invented the Italian." <laughs> And it's just like he's probably bloody right as well. And then he meets somebody from Syria and he's like, Oh, we taught the Syrians so much. And it's like, probably right. Because that's what I came across when I was doing research. So, yeah. They are everywhere. I like that. I really like that. Um, So, that's something I will carry with me forever and ever. Um, And so, the last one, because I don't want to, you know, just keep going on about me because we are really racking up some minutes here, George. Um, Hey, you know. It's where tr- we're doing different stuff, and maybe this what we do different is run way over time. Uh, um, in the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, oh yeah, that book was just so readable. Number one, and um, her voice is she has got such a strong voice. It's almost like the words come out of the page at you as you read it. You can hear it. It's it's well written. It's it like packs a punch. She doesn't hold back. It's it's really really honest and um, gritty. Um, and so that's another one of my. So I would say those those three things really: the book festival, um, the ancient Greeks, and Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, and also, you know, just having some fun. I I've had such a good crack. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Agreed. What about you? Have you got any that you, you know, things that you've appreciated from doing this or taken away or? No, I've been fine pretty much. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm 
have you been fine pretty much? <laughs> See you then. Turn, taking my microphone no, I, I likewise. I So I have to, I, not to be redundant, but I do have to also shout out the book fest. That was so much fun. Uh, such a great time for us. And just... I, you know, I was surprised. I thought I was going to buy a bunch of stuff there because that is typically what I do in a place where I uh, enjoy things. But it was not that way at all. I was, yeah, moving mainly, just like getting my way around, um, seeing people speak, uh, listening to different authors and and their interviews and, and seeing like all the different ways that books were being presented and and propped up by the library of congress that was great and i can't wait to go to another one i'm really really looking forward to our next one on top of that i i think actively researching new reads to add to my list is so it's what i've always wanted you know what i mean i didn't know how i picked books before i went to the shops and i looked at the covers and i said "Ooh, this is pretty i bet the publisher spent a lot of money for the artist on this cover but which means it's probably a good book um you did not do it like that that is that is a pub- that is a publishing secret if, oh, if okay if the book is projected to do very well they are gonna make the cover really nice but uh now we are doing so much research that just by osmosis i am picking up the names of authors and the titles of books and and seeing them out in the world you know seeing giovanni's room in carmilla was such a cool moment for me just to be like i fully know what these two books are about and Mm -hmm. i want to read them really badly and here they are super cheap at a at a local store that i love i mean I was going to jump on you saying about researching new reads. I think, you know, we have discovered a lot of um, new sort of stuff that we both wanted to get interested or into. And I've picked up on things that you've read. I'll be honest, um, I do kind of do trickle down reading like George reads. It says it's good. I go, okay, I'll read it then. Um, (laughs) But also I've picked up a few things on my own. I'm not completely dependent. Um, But I also go back to um, S.A. Cosby at the Reading Festival (laughs) saying how much he hates research. He's saying, like, there are authors who love the research. And he's like, I hate that bit because it's really boring. And he does... uh, The books of his that I've read um, are well-researched. I don't want to, you know, say otherwise. Oh, yeah. The books that you get out of doing the research and the the knowledge about uh, different kinds of literature is valid, but it's not my favourite. So I take my hat off to you, George, on that one. Uh, listen, I don't like it either. It's just I like doing this. So <laughs> you suffer for success. Aye, um, aye. You suffer from success, too, because the more of these we make, the more I have to read. Um, I just wanted to shout out one other gift from this is just the time spent d- talking about the love of stories. You know, people I love, um, mainly my mom, which is, you know, <laughs> the only she's, she, she's people I love. <laughs> but Stevie was here too. Oh, uh, we've I, had I, guests. We plan to have more guests. We do. I don't feel like there are enough spaces where I feel comfortable to do that in a way where it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not being judged about what I don't know about books because I don't really, I'm not 
I'm, I'm not like a classic literature reader or anything like that. I've read some, but it charges your batteries up in a very like spiritual, like engaging in the things that you love way to, to talk about your interest with loved ones. So I just, you know, I just want to be uh, grateful for that. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> that's that. That's I agree. I totally ditto. agree with you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think we can say any more about that, really. It's, it's a blast. And yeah, I, you know, and, and I think, you know, the thing about not being judged, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere who's listened to this and judged us completely. But, you know, I honestly don't care. <laughs> I do have so much fun making it and then checking it out when um, our great editor, Mike, has put it, Mike has put it together. That um, we always said it's, it is for the enjoyment and the love of books, the love of literature and the love of, you know, sitting and talking waffle about it. So, yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. True, true that. Okay. So, um, I think. Do we want to skip one? Skip one. Because one. we have gotten to an hour. Uh, well, uh, I was just going to say, do you topic. want. Topic. Yeah. 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 That one is fine. Um, you want to just, uh, do a quick, like, crazy of the last thing we were going to mention before we wrap it up yeah that sounds great um so we just want to talk about we're going to be changing some things as we move into season two or what we are determining as season two um <laughs> from episode 21 onward we're not going to be doing the same history format that we have done in previous versions we're gonna be Trying to keep it a little more casual, a little less monologue-y. Um, we love learning so much about the histories, but they do go on a bit, don't they? They really do. I mean, sometimes you get like over halfway through the episode and we barely finish the history. And, it, you know, as interesting as most of the histories we've come across at different genres have been, can I say the bloody ancient Greeks, it does kind of take up a bunch. And I think that we want to have a bit more loosey-goosey where we can, you know, have more of that back and forth that we... Uh... Just chat. Yeah, more chat and shit. As we've established already, we love to chat shit. And specifically... And that is the goal. About... About books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not just like a gossip podcast, although, boy, that would be fun. Can I just tell you this one thing? This one time? No, I I refuse. Like I will not hold your secrets. I'll tweet. I'll tweet about them at once. I don't have any secrets. Twitter doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and Twitter doesn't exist, and Mum doesn't have any secrets. So this is all just a metaphor. Yeah, it's X. I don't know. We're not gonna talk about that. Guy. Okay, cool. Um, so we're gonna be changing the format for the episodes. It will be a little more loosey goosey, a little more conversation based, and we're hoping to get into more esoteric topics as well. So far, we've. It's okay. You don't have to mouth it to me. I, I'll explain it to you. It's like, instead of, so we've been doing a lot of genre episodes um, or, or specifying our, our research that way. Um, uh, esoteric means uh, more like specialized, like to, to be kind of honed in, in a way, at least the way that I'm using it here. What I, what I mean to say is stuff like archetypes, like uh, dark and brooding narratives, you know what I mean? Where, where did we start writing, like, edgy male protagonists? Where When did we first write um, 
an ingenue, honestly. Where did we, you know, where did we start going with character tropes in that way? But then also, maybe we talk about enemies to lovers as a story theme, story archetype, a dynamic. You know, we want to we want to get a little bit weirder so that we're not pinned down so much. Do we want to? I'm not sure if I want to get weird. I just want to say that. But. Oh, it's gonna get weird. It's going to get fucking weird. Yeah, and if, Mike, you, you could just censor weird. that F word with, like, a funny duck sound or something, quack, quack. I think Oops. that would really sell the... Okay, that's too... Never mind. <laughs> um, so, that, so that's sort of what we want to look at. We want to look at phenomena inside of narratology. But we're still going to have, like, our reading check-ins. We're still going to share what we're reading. Um, we're still going to keep an eye on news about uh, literature, who's writing what, what's coming up, and... Obviously, when, not if, we get to go to another reading slash book festival, we will be sharing our thoughts on those two. And hopefully more guests. Many more guests. That is the goal. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us for this weird little hodgepodge of an episode. We hoped you had a little bit of fun. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something or other. Um, but the most of all, Greeks. we hope you... The... <laughs> Always There's the one thing Greeks. you take away from all this. It's always the ancient Greeks. Dang straight. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you get out there and tell some tales. And we'll see you next season. Oh, yeah. We will. <laughs> we'll, yeah. Or we'll hear from you. <laughs> well, you'll hear from us. Oh, you'll hear from us. Something like that. Okay. Ciao. Good night. Ciao.